Amen. Thank you so much, Keith, for sharing with us. And he shall preserve our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And this morning we are going to turn and look at a sovereign God in the storm, a sovereign God in the storm. And we're going to look at Psalm 46 and walk through that passage. Yesterday I found out firsthand what the difference was between, between experiencing a hurricane in Raleigh and a hurricane in Goldsboro. A hurricane in Raleigh, we went out and played tackle football and rugby all afternoon. A hurricane in Goldsboro, you stayed inside and cleaned. We came yesterday to to a point where we saw and understood that mere mortals have no control ultimately over the ways of God and the things that he designs and desires. Within this week we have experienced both an earthquake and a hurricane and it is somewhat shocking because of where we are and what we have gone through. Indeed we have heard many reasons for the earthquake this week. You may have heard the Democrats reason that it was a little known fault in Virginia called Bush's fault that was their origin of the hurricane. Or maybe you heard the Republicans' reason for the or, uh, the earthquake. Uh, the Republicans' reason for the earthquake was the fact that all the forefathers turned over in the grave at the same time. <laughs> so we watched the meteorologists this week struggle to predict exactly what was going to happen and where Irene was going to go. We became increasingly aware that absolutely no one has the ability to know or design the things that God knows and designs and desires within this world. Indeed, we watch them struggle to pinpoint uh, pinpoint the path and the perplexity of Irene. We heard she was going to go west and then she's going to go east. And then, well, we don't really know exactly what she's going to do. We've just got to wait to find out. The reality is they could tell us where she had been. They could tell us where she was. But none of them could tell us where she was going. For the Christian, we understand that ultimately it is our God who is in control. We can worry, we can fret, and we can flail within this world, but we understand it is God who is the ultimate cause and controller of all things. And that is what we find in Psalm 46. Indeed, I agree with Calvin when he says that this, uh, this psalm relates to the time when King Hezekiah of Judah was surrounded by the army of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Forty-six towns and villages throughout Judah had been laid waste. There were 200,000 residents that had been taken captive and now a hundred, at least 185,000 troops were surrounding the, the city of Jerusalem. It just looked like a matter of time until the people fell and the city was overrun. But proud Sennacherib did not reckon on the fact that Hezekiah's God is a living God who will not be mocked. That Hezekiah's God was a God who acted on behalf of his people. Hezekiah prayed. God spoke. And in one night, the angel of the Lord claimed 185,000 lives of the Assyrian army. 
whether out of the situation, out of that situation or some other situation. We are not exactly sure about where Psalm 46 comes from, but we do understand that it was written out of the crucible of extreme adversity from which God had provided deliverance. It relates to anyone who is in in a time of trouble or to anyone who will face a time of trouble in their future. Let me just ask you this morning as we begin, has anyone had a time of trouble in their past? Anybody going to have a time of trouble in their future? Absolutely. Every one of us. And so if you fall into one of those two categories, you need to hear the words of Psalm 46. Indeed, our friends, our family, our neighbors are going to turn to us in the midst of a crisis such as we have just experienced and say, well, what in the world is God doing? How, why do you serve this God? What is going on? And we need to be prepared to answer them with the story of who the Bible tells us our God is and how He works. Let's take for ourselves our copy of God's Word and stand in honor of the reading of this, God's holy and inspired Word. In Psalm 46, it reads as follows. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in her midst, in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Who has wrought desolations in the earth? He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving. Know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Father, we come to you in this time asking that you would be our stronghold. Father, we would not fret and flail. But Father, we would live in sure and certain confidence that you are in control and you are overseeing all things. May you lead us and guide us to understand the Scripture and, Father, to live in the power that it brings to us moment by moment and day by day. Father, may we trust in you and in your sovereign hand in the midst of all the occurrences of our lives so that we then might live by faith and not just by sight. Father, may you lead us now to see that you are a sovereign God, even in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name we we ask these things. Amen. We see in this passage that when trouble strikes, God is sufficient to get us through. When trouble strikes, God is sufficient to get us through. He is able to overcome all things, no problem, whether it might be physical problems or emotional problems, spiritual problems, is too big for our great and glorious God. For He is able to over to see us through 
all things, to cause us to be able to overcome all situations. If we will learn to take refuge in God and in Him alone, to lean on Him alone for our strength, then with the psalmist we can surely face the most extreme crisis with quiet and quiet confidence because God is with us and He is sufficient in all things. But listen, we need to understand that being a Christian does not insulate us or cause us to be immune from the problems of life. Let me say that again. Being a Christian does not insulate us or cause us to be immune to the problems of life. We need to understand that. And we need to understand our God is sufficient and His strength will get us through when trouble strikes our lives. Let us first understand this principle. Adversity and trouble come for all people, even God's people. Adversity and trouble come for all people, even God's people. The fact that God is our refuge and strength does not mean that we are immune or insulated from the troubles and problems of life, does it? Indeed, what does it say in verse 1? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in what? In what? What does that mean? There must have been trouble for him to be a very present help in the midst of it, right? Is that right? Did your house get spared from any damaging winds yesterday? No. The wind blew the same at your house as it did at your neighbor's house. The rain fell the same at your house as it did at your neighbor's house. And so here in this passage, we understand that life is not trouble-free. The abundant life is not a trouble-free life. We need to be clear on this because so many of the false teachers of our day claim that if you just believe in faith and pray in faith, then you will not have any problems whatsoever in your life. And yet, what are they doing? Dying off at the rate of 100%. They've got the same problems everybody else has. But they tell us we lack faith and that's why we aren't healed. That's why the storm comes over our place. No, we serve a sovereign God. And we need to be very clear that God does not cause us to be insulated or immune from our problems. He walks us through the problems. The Bible teaches that God is there in our time of trouble to help us, not that He will exempt us from the trouble. The psalm mentions catastrophic trouble. Notice there in verse 2, global changes, severe earthquakes and storms and wars are all mentioned there in the, in the passage of Psalm 46. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 35 through 38 recounts the trials and tribulations that some of the most faithful believers throughout the years have gone through being homeless without proper clothing and food mockings torture beatings imprisonment in even various forms of cruel execution god does not prevent christians from facing troubles when a plane goes down god doesn't make sure that there are no christians on it when war ravages a country god doesn't make sure that there are no christians there god does not does not allow cancer to strike only those who have lived a life of sin. Indeed, trouble will strike the godly as well as the ungodly, the righteous as well as the unrighteous. The question is, when trouble strikes, do you want to face it with God as your refuge and strength, or do you want to face it on your own, leaning upon someone else, something else, somewhere other than God? 
See, Psalm 46 shows that trouble is going to strike, but also that God is sufficient to sustain His people. God is sufficient to sustain His people. Indeed, this passage could be said to fall into three categories. First of all, that God is a refuge against the raging of nature. Secondly, in verses 4-7, through God is a resource against the raging of the nations. And finally, in verses 8-11, through God is the ruler over all of the earth. God is the refuge against the raging of nature in verses 1 through 3. In verses 4 through 7, He is the, re- the resource against the raging of the nations. And in verses 8 through 11, He is the ruler over all the earth. And there in verses 1 through 3, the psalmist pictures one of the most frightening and catastrophic natural disasters that are imaginable. An earthquake where the mountains even slip into the depths of the sea. Now, All those people in California joke about this, don't they? The people that live up in the mountains, they say, we can't wait for the earthquake, the big one to hit, and then all the, all the property down at the beach will fall into the sea and we'll have beach, beachfront mountain views. What a blessing. But this is the God who is serving. Who we are serving. Not only does the lowland get swallowed up by the sea. But the mountains sink into the heart of the sea. He's saying that in the worst disaster that we might possibly imagine. God is sufficient as our refuge and strength. And his presence is enough to help help us and to see us through. We should not be terrified. As our refuge, we can flee to God and find relief and comfort. As our strength, we discover that His strength is made perfect in our weakness according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And God's protection and strength are immediately available. They are a very present help the instant that we turn to Him and live by faith. Indeed, Hebrews 4.16 reminds us that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help. It's a powerful promise. And yet many of us look to the government and ask what can they do for us. There are those who are looking to their neighbors and asking what can you do for me. But the reality is the first throne that we ought to approach, the only throne that we ought to have sure and certain confidence in is the throne of God and we ought to come boldly in our time of need to make our request known. While He may delay in delivering us to show us our absolute need for Him or for reasons we can't understand, we can always have immediate comfort, confidence and calm assurance that when we flee to God for our refuge and strength, we have an advocate that will answer our prayers. During an earthquake a few years ago, the inhabitants of a small village uh, were, were greatly stressed and strained. They, they all were in great fear of what might result from the earthquake, except for one woman in the midst of the village whom they all knew very well. Finally, one of the villagers asked the old lady and said, Are you not afraid? And the old lady looked at him and said, No. Well, why in the world are you not afraid? What's wrong with you? What's going on? And she simply looked at him and said, I rejoice to know that I have a God that can shake the foundations of the world. I rejoice to know that I serve the sovereign God who harbors the heavens, moves the mountains, and overflows the oceans. 
He is a God of power and a God of might. Whatever personal catastrophe may come our way, whether it is a major health issue, the death of a loved one, the loss of your job, an earthquake, or mean old Irene rolling in the coast of North Carolina, God is in control. God is sovereign. He is bigger than our problems, and He is readily available to help us if we will take refuge in Him and trust in His strength. God is sufficient because He is the resource against the raging of nature. But secondly, He is the resource against the raging of nations. In verses 4 through 7, it, it begins by saying, There is a river that makes glad the city of God. Jerusalem is one of the few ancient cities that was not built on a river. Ancient cities indeed needed water close at hand so that they could be sustained, especially during a siege. When Sennacherib attacked Jerusalem, he was sure that their lack of water would lead to a very timely victory and cause them to surrender. But unknown to Sennacherib, Jerusalem had a source of water for wise King Hezekiah had built an underground tunnel which had secretly brought water 117 uh, 1,777 feet from the spring of Gihon to the pool of Siloam. And that little stream supplied all of the needs of the people during the midst of the siege. That river is a picture of the greater spiritual resource of the Lord Himself. For God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. He is the living who alone can quench our spiritual thirst. He is the God who is powerful enough in the midst of those difficult times to quell the uproar of the nations by simply raising His voice. Jesus told the woman of the well, whoever drinks the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. He also said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. There he's referring to the Holy Spirit who is given to every believer. Whatever problems rage against us, God's Spirit is the ever-flowing river who sustains us and gives us gladness even while we're under siege, even while we're being hard-pressed and attacked from every direction. If Christians would learn to drink from the abundant river of God's Spirit, we would not fear, fret, or flail in the midst of the situations of adversity that we face every day. God is our refuge and resource in time of trouble God is sufficient and he is the resource against the raging of the nations but thirdly God is the ruler over all of the earth God is the ruler over all of the earth. And we see that in verses 8 through 11. Nations may rage and proud men may rebel, but God's sovereign purposes will be fulfilled. He sets up kings and he removes them as he wills. He is God. He alone will be exalted in the earth. There is no one else that, that is able to be exalted over or above him. When Christ returns, he will crush all opposition to his reign. And the mightiest armies on earth are no match for his sovereign power do you think that that is your god let me rephrase that do you know that that is your god he is the god who has power over all of creation do you understand that he speaks the word and the enemy drops dead 
Do you understand that He is sufficient for your problems? When trouble strikes, he, we need to focus on our God who is sufficient, for He is our refuge, He is our resource, He is our ruler, and we need to lay hold of His sufficiency. But the question comes, how do we lay hold of God's sufficiency? Well, we live in His sufficiency. That's the answer. We live in God's sufficiency. We depend on Him as our refuge. We depend on Him in everything. We depend on Him as our life. It is God Himself who is our refuge and strength. Not our armies, not our fortresses, but our God. It's easy to build up our own, our own defenses, our own fortresses, but God is the one who is said to have that power and place as a strong and sure, certain defense against all attacks, against the trouble of this world we are to put our trust in him and not in ourselves and our stuff we must trust we must trust god not simply trust our bank accounts our insurance policies or the schemes that we may have planned for the future there's nothing wrong with any of these things in fact the bible tells us what to plan and to prayer it urges us to be prudent in how we manage the resources that god has given to us but let us be very clear those things are never to come between us and our infinite trust in the living God. We do not trust in our bank account. We don't trust in our insurance policies. We don't trust in our stuff. Because as we saw yesterday, it was amazing, wasn't it? Rained all through the night, Friday night, and the winds blew, and there were some some damage that was done Friday night, but uh, by and large, it looked like, hey, this isn't going to be nearly as bad as we first thought. And then all of a sudden, as the hurricane passed by, on the backside came the sustained winds with saturated soil, and guess what? It wreaked havoc everywhere. But God was in control. He knew each and everything that was going on. And we need to learn to depend on Him. To trust in Him, not in ourselves and not in our stuff. We need to trust God. If we are to trust God, we need to know God. How are we to know God? Well, look at the refrain. There are two specific ways that we know God here in verses 7 and 11. First of all, He is the Lord of hosts who is with us. The Lord of hosts. Who is the Lord of hosts? He is over all of the universe. He is over all of the angels and the powers and principalities within the universe. He is over all of the armies of the Lord. Indeed, He is over all things. He is the God who spoke all of creation into existence and therefore He rules and reigns over every bit of it. Understand, He is the God who is able to cause all things to begin and to cease. That is the God we serve. He's not some feeble, senile old man with a long white beard sitting in heaven worried about the rebellion of men. No, He is a mighty God. If such a God is for us, then indeed who can be against us? If you know God is the Lord of hosts, will you depend on Him? You will depend on Him in the midst of that time. And you will know with strong and sure, strong confidence and certainty that indeed He is with you. 
but also he is the God of Jacob. Well, why in the world would you say Jacob? Wouldn't you say Israel? Because after all, that was after God gave, gave the promise uh, to Jacob. He changed his name. I mean, Jacob, when you say the name Jacob, that means that this is a conniving little supplanter or deceiver. Yeah, that's right. He's the God who saves sinners. He doesn't save you because you are worthy. He saves you in spite of your unworthiness. He works in the midst of your situations, not because it is something great about you, but because he is a great and sovereign God. Indeed, this points to God's sovereign grace. God chose this one who was a conniving, cheating deceiver by nature and yet by his grace he caused him to be saved and sustained and even blessed him and raised him up and gave him a great inheritance a great heritage see we have the new gospel which says christ died for you because you're so good and you're so worthy that's not the biblical gospel The biblical gospel is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in the midst of our unworthiness, not because we were worthy, but in the midst of our unworthiness, God died for us. He came and lived a perfect life and surrendered himself to suffer God's wrath and judgment and justice so that we might be forgiven and have everlasting life. Listen, that same God is who chose you a Apart from your unworthiness is the same God who will keep you even in the midst of the adversities of this world. Even in the times when you make mistakes and walk away. Listen, you can depend on Yahweh, this God revealed within Psalm 46, even if you failed. Because you know that he is the God of Jacob. His help in a time of trouble is not conditioned upon your great strength, but on his great grace. That needs to be our message as we go out into this world. God has sustained us and strengthened us. He has seen us through. And He is sufficient when we are insufficient. And when are we insufficient? Every moment of the day. Because you know what? All I could do is look out my window yesterday and watch the wind blow. There was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't do anything. But God is able And He is a refuge. We are to draw on Him as our resource. If you know Christ as your Savior, then you have His life within you. His Holy Spirit is indeed the river of life sufficient for your every need. He is that river whose streams make glad the city of God. He is the God who is watching over all things. And we are to draw on Him. We are to drink deeply from Him. We are to drink daily from Him. You have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. You are a holy dwelling place for the Most High God. You are privileged to be able to draw upon His strength daily and He refreshes you. He brings gladness and joy even in those times of perplexity. He sees you through. And I want to ask, do you drink from Him daily? Indeed, Miss Sue, what a great testimony of saying that even in the midst of the storm, we will praise God. I'll continue to give you thanks for your strength and sustenance. Let me ask you, do you have a time that you meet alone with God where you read His Word, where you pour out your heart 
to Him on a daily basis? Do you walk in a conscious dependence upon conscious dependence upon God, confessing your sin and yielding to His way? The river is there, but you've got to drink daily, or you'll dry up spiritually. And so we need to understand that God is our source. But in addition. We need to meet with his people regularly as well. See, Jerusalem was a city of God. It was where God dwelled with his people in a special sense. The temple was there. It was the center for worship. Today, God lives in every believer individually. But there is a special sense in which he inhabits his people corporately. God never intended for us to live the Christian life as, as in isolation, living as spiritual lone rangers. We need one another in the body of Christ to encourage one another, to bear one another's burdens, to minister to one another, to stimulate and stir up one another to love and to good deeds. For this to happen, we've got to be involved with the Lord's people more than just on Sunday morning. We need the Lord's people all the time. We need to spend time, spare time, so that we could indeed enjoy the fellowship and serve the Lord together. Indeed, this week we need to look for opportunities where we can minister to those not only in this church body, within this community, who need to know the living God and His power and how He works through us. The Lord indeed is the river, but the believers are the streams. And to drink fully from the river, you've got to be in connection with the streams. And you drink of the Lord, even at times, through the ministry of His people. Let me ask you, you willing to help? Lend a hand? Walk down the street this afternoon. We're not going to have services this evening. Walk down the street and look around. Ask where God might open the door so that you can minister to others. Maybe you need to look down the pew and say, hey, do you all have any problems? Are there any needs that you have? You might be surprised. Some of us came this morning going COD, cologne over dirt. You didn't have a shower, didn't have anything to take a bath with, and yet you still came out. Praise God. We'll get a little more cologne this afternoon for you. We have showers. Listen, we need to be people who pour out God's love in practical ways. We need to show and to share the gospel message that God has strengthened us and sustained us even through the most difficult situation. That God has even brought us to be sons and daughters of the Most High and we are living under His careful protection. And even when all the things of life seem to have gone terribly wrong and everything seems to be turned against us, we need to have the testimony that we don't look at the situations and circumstances of this world as full and final depiction of the future, but we look at God and His throne to define the full and final picture of the future. And that throne, we can see that even in the midst of suffering, great glory flows forth. How do we see that? Because we know and understand that God walks us through even the most difficult times and anxious times of life, even those times where we suffer the most. Well, would God ever allow us to suffer Well, listen, he let his son suffer and die on the cross of Calvary. You want to know a picture of beauty, a picture to behold of the future? It's a picture of the risen Christ. That even though his body was torn down, the temple was torn down, God rebuilt it. He raised him up on the third day. 
though our houses may be torn down, maybe they're got trees laying through them, there are difficult things, it's okay because our hope is not in the things of this world anyway. Our hope comes from our faith, and our faith comes from God. And God is the sovereign ruler of all things. He has promised to strengthen and sustain those who depend upon Him, who trust in Him. And so we are to look to Him as our ruler, and we are to respond exactly how it says we are to respond in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Let me ask you this morning. Do you trust God? Beyond do you trust God and are you living in His strength and sustenance? Let me ask you, do your neighbors know that you trust God? Would they be able to tell you what strengthens and sustains you in the midst of the difficulty? Why you weren't overly perplexed about the storm yesterday? Why you're out serving everybody else when your yard is a mess? Listen, don't worry about your yard. Go take care of somebody else first. Show the love of Christ in a practical way. As we come through this time, I want us to understand that we are to look to God, we are to live for God, and in each and every moment, we are to live in His sufficiency, and we are to see that He is a mighty fortress. When Martin Luther wrote that beautiful song that we sang just a few minutes ago, he faced numerous dangers and threats on his life from the Pope and his forces. At one point, he spent 11 months hiding out in Wartburg Castle in the face of opposition and excommunication and pressure from every side to back down. Even at the threat of his life, he stood firmly from the truth for the truth of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. When he had occasion to fear or grow discouraged, he would call his friend and co-worker Philip to him and he would say, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46 psalm and they would lift their voices a mighty fortress is our god a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing luther said we sing the psalm to the praise of god because god is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends His church and His Word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and of sin. For you to experience God's sufficiency in a crisis, you must be learning to experience it each and every day. If you aren't learning to depend on Him as your refuge, to draw on Him as your resource, and to defer to Him as your ruler when things are going smoothly, listen, and there is no doubt you're going to flee to someone, somewhere, or something else when the crisis comes. So today, while the sun is shining, turn your eyes again to Christ. Trust in Him. Look to Him. Lean upon Him. A crisis doesn't make a person, but a crisis reveals a person's character. And in a time of trial, we show where we turn to. Alcoholic turns to the bottle. Drug addict turns to the bong. Worldly person turns to the worldly wisdom of this world. But a Christian turns to the Lord. Today, let us turn to the Lord. So that when trouble strikes, 
we might know and we might show that He is sufficient in all things. God, we pray You would lead us and guide us. Give us great wisdom as we walk in this world. Father, not to look at this world as our home, but, Father, to look to You. And, Father, to understand that Your heaven is our home. And, Father, to show and share each and every day just what it means to live by God's grace and for God's glory. Lord, let us not fret. Let us not flail. Let us live in perfect assurance and calm confidence that you are the God who has spoken all of the world into existence and you are the God who will lead us on even into your glorious eternal kingdom. Lord, may you lead us and guide us now in this time of decision. May we commit ourselves to seeking you and to serving you with each and every moment. And Father, may we make that, that, grace, and that, that grace and that gospel known that has saved our soul and secured us to you for the rest of eternity. Lord, lead us now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together now as we sing our hymn of invitation.